I'm Lauren Sterling, and this is Ordinary Grit, the podcast where I talk to ordinary people who have overcome and are doing amazing things, because your story has power. Today, you're going to hear from my dear friend and kind of local hero, Matt. This is such a fun, simple story, and I hope you are encouraged by a view of success outside of money and fame. Matt, you are a longtime friend. I say that, but I was thinking about how to introduce you, and I'm like, we've known each other a really long time. A long time, yeah. But we, and we ran with a lot of the same people. We had a lot of the same friends. Mm-hmm. Kind of grew up very similarly, but we were not friends. <laughs> well, I, I, you don't have to pay like that. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, we didn't is, hang out a lot. We did not. No. Yeah. No. And so it, I, you know, here's what I was thinking when I was like daydreaming. What did I know about you? And what you joke that I knew bad things and I don't, I don't know any bad things or thought things that weren't true. Right. That's no. the thing. <laughs> but really, truly what I thought, like, I always knew you were super talented you know, our, our, your, our youth pastor growing up would always talk about people who were given lots of gifts and, and some that, you know, one is good enough. Like, we don't even deserve any. But I remember him acting like there was some of us, and, and he would say it. I don't know if he ever said that to you. But he would say, you know, some of us have were given lots of gifts. And, and I, you are mm. insanely talented. You can do a lot of crazy things. You can carry a tune. You can, you, I think you can dance. Try. I mean, you 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 don't care if you look stupid, baby. That's um, the key. Yeah, it is yeah. important. I mean, you're athletic. I think you're like semi-intelligent. Like, have a decent IQ and sometimes got a good ACT score. So, I mean, yeah. you have a lot of <clears throat> a lot of gifts in a, in a lot of areas that some people would have liked to have one of those things. So, when I just think about the stories that I that I wanted to talk to, the people, the kinds of people, I'm talking to a lot of different kinds of stories, some that are really hard, some that are really innovative, people who, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of rose out of situations where they were told they weren't going to be anything. Mm-hmm. Or when I think of you, I think of you had a lot of opportunities to, I don't know, go make money, go do maybe fame in certain ways. And, and I knew things that I thought I knew about you that we've never talked about even. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I didn't want to give you a big head or something. I didn't want you to know that I knew. But you you chose some other things. And so when I look at you now, I still think that you're super talented. Obviously, you 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 don't lose those gifts, but you use them in ways that are really different. You're, you're impacting kids. And I think of you as a leader and as a really impactful teacher with my kid who you're not her teacher in a school, but you, you know, help coach and you're teaching things much bigger than how to dribble a basketball. And so now I I still look at that same, probably kind of arrogant young guy Mm -hmm. with all these gifts that, that is now though, like using, using those things in a way that the world would say wasn't like the epitome of success and money and fame. But it's really, really successful. And I think that it could give people just some, I don't know, motivation, encouragement to live out who they're who they're called to be, aside from what the world says is successful. So that's kind of where, some of my thought behind. I just think you have a really important story that just is very different than some of the other people I've talked to that, you know, went through a divorce or were in prison or something like that. It's different. This is a much cleaner, like, kind of, kind of story, kind of straight-laced that's still really, really valuable because you did things outside of what the world thought you should do, right? Hmm. Is that? Well, yeah, I mean, that was incredibly nice and I, I appreciate You've never that. heard me be nice to you probably, so <laughs> <laughs> write this down. Right, today is the day. No, I, I really appreciate all the things you said. Well, I think it's true. So tell me, I mean, 
again, we kind of knew of each other, but mm-hmm. like you graduated college. I, I don't know why I feel like I saw some of it from afar, I, I mm-hmm. guess, because we're from the same place and mm-hmm. our parents were going to the same church. But I mean, you're a, older than me. So you graduated high school and then college before I did. And I, I really don't, was it back a part of your life until you were getting married and she's my favorite thing about you. And me so too. now we're really <laughs> good friends. But back then, I, I don't know why I kind of knew. I mean, you played college sports, mm-hmm. you left college or actually the other day when I asked you about some of it. You acted like that you were in L.A. Was that during college years? Yeah. So kind of walk through what, I don't know, what you thought you were doing. What You went to college with what purpose? And what did you think success was going to look like? Right. Well, yeah, going to college to play football, was able to do that at, at Truman State. and The whole time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So played there the whole time. And then, you know, I think I went into college with some good intentions of, of helping people, of, of trying to be a good leader. And it is it is kind of one of those things that you alluded to a, a few things of people people thinking that you have a lot of gifts, that you have a lot of talents in it. And it, back when I was in college, that wouldn't be a problem for me to say. Now it feels like when you're talking about yourself of having gifts and talents and stuff like that, it doesn't feel right to talk about that a little bit. But I think I allowed that to to soak into my mentality of, okay, well then... I'm going to be successful. I'm going to go after fame. I worked it out to to get a, we called it an internship, but really it was just an entertainment manager wanted me to come out to Los Angeles to audition for TV and movies and stuff like that. And so... What stage is this? This was kind of in the middle of college. So this was the spring of, of 2002. And so then went out to Los Angeles and was just hard after chasing like fame and people are going to know me. People are going to recognize me. And you think that it was in the forefront of your mind. You knew that this is what I'm I'm going to be known. This is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, that that was the goal of like, I was going out there to try to become famous, be on TV shows, be on movies. I mean, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be a world famous actor. And it sounds ridiculous to say right now. Mm-hmm. Like, but then, I mean, I went out there and had some successes right away. Was able to, within two weeks of being out there, I had an agent who was sending me out on auditions for all these movies and TV shows and stuff like that. And you had brought this up. I I, I don't like talking about this because it, it feels uncomfortable, but... Hey, but the rumors are around because we've never discussed it. <laughs> yeah. And then I asked you the other day, I think you heard that you were either trying out or considered for the Ryan Seacrest role before American Idol became all that it was right yeah so in the spring of of 2002 which is the springtime is when they do all the new tv shows and trying to get things amped up and so there was this new show that they were gonna create called and it was called american pop idol at the time mm-hmm. do the audition process and went to it you know there are thousands of actors and hosts and stuff like that auditioning for it ended up making it through like all of the rounds down to me and ryan seacrest and then four other people and we were meeting with producers and meeting with Simon Cowell, which nobody knew who he was at the time, and doing all these different things of going to different locations and audition, all that sort of stuff. And and nobody really knew who Ryan Seacrest was at the time and mm-hmm. either. And so, yeah, audition with with him and with other people. And it was like, I'm gonna get the host of I'm gonna get the host of the show. And I mean, looking back, thankfully I did not, because I think I was I was on a path to trying to become somebody that everybody knows, but is not worth knowing. 
And I think that's a big, that was a big shift in my mind of after that time of just who, yeah, who, who do you want to be? Do you want to be somebody who's well known or do you want to be somebody who's worth knowing? And that was a big turning point for me. Yeah. After that whole kind of time period of just having that mental shift of what, yeah, like you said, what, what is success and what are these quote unquote talents and, and gifts that I've been I mean, given, what, what, what good are they for? And it can't be just to serve my own purposes yeah. or that's a waste. Would you have said at the time that what you were doing in LA like made you feel alive or, you know, those questions about what are you passionate about? What makes your heart beat fast? I use those questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even dissing them because it kind of helps you. I just asked one of my sons this the other day and he could not answer. He doesn't know anything that he's passionate about. And I think there's an importance there. We can put a lot of, we can put a hefty importance on it that maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't deserve, but would you have said, this is, this is my passion. This makes me feel alive. Or did you go to bed at night in LA going, this is empty. And did you, could you have articulated your feelings? Yeah, I think it, and again, it's it, sometimes it's hard to reflect in the moment when you're, when you're trying to go after something that, that fast. right, exactly. So yeah, it was very exciting. Every time I would audition or, or get called back or have an opportunity for anything like that, it was very exciting. And I loved it. You loved it, yeah. I I loved it. And I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll not play football anymore, drop out of college, and maybe I'll just move out here. And so, yeah, so I think I would have. But then then also, obviously, you you have some reflection and hindsight. But yes, I was also then going to bed empty and feeling like, okay, this is, this is not me, but I kind of want it to be me, mm-hmm. but it's not me, but I kind of want it to be me like back and forth all the time. And so there was just so much confusion and wrestling around mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. So, okay. So American pop idol did not happen. <laughs> right. And so then was that the last thing to come home or how did that play out? Yeah. Well, after that, so after kind of that spring or towards the end of the spring, I had, I had a decision to make of whether do I go, do I go back to college and still play football in the fall? Do I, do I try to move out here? What, what do I, what do I do? And, and honestly, like one of the things that drew me back was my grandma had cancer at the time and she really did not want me to, she would pray that, 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 that those things would not be successful, that, mm. that, which she told me after the fact, but that yeah, that that wouldn't work out because she didn't want me to, yeah, become something that that I shouldn't be or that I wasn't, and so mm-hmm. so that was a big kind of turning point. So I decided I'll come back. I will, yeah, I'll I'll play football again, and then I mean, there's lots of other things we could talk about through that, but but then that was kind of a, I came back, and then it was like, okay, no, that's not who I'm supposed to be. That's not what I'm supposed to go after. Is there any point in that season, and we can we can wait if we need to go there later, but is there any point in that season where your faith is is dictating how you're listening or how you're trying to, or, or at that point, is it not really forefront who I am is, are there people who love the Lord that end up famous a million percent? So I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but is there, at that point, are you going, Hey God, what are you asking for me? What is it that you want for me? Who do you want me to be? Or is that really... I'm going to drive this. I mean, I think you're an initiative taker. You're a driver. Mm-hmm. What was it you? I feel like it was, it, it was God working behind the scenes on some things that I, that I hadn't realized yet. No, it was not that I just came back from that and was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. I came back. I was dating someone at the time that I thought I was going to marry as well. And so then through that summer, I'm like, okay, like maybe this is it. Like, I feel like I'm this, this person I'm dating right now is going to, I'm going to marry them. And so Maybe that's what I should be doing. And then that, at the end of the summer, that 
rug got pulled out from underneath me. And so the person I thought I was going to marry was like, I don't want to date you anymore. And so that was a huge shock and a huge... You got dumped? I got heard this. Bad. I flew to Chicago to visit her and her family on a five-day trip. And on the second day, she broke up with me. And I didn't have enough money to fly home or get another place to stay. So I had to stay with her family the next three days. And then, yeah. So... I got humbled really quickly there. And then, which thankfully, obviously, as as you know, then... You married, like, one of my family people. Exactly. And so, like, again, such a huge blessing. And people can look at disappointment. Oh, you didn't didn't become famous like you wanted to. Failure. Oh, you didn't marry the person that you thought you were going to marry. Oh, failure. And it was like, no, those were, like, God slamming the door on some things that I didn't need to be walking through. Sure. And if you were supposed to be famous or that was how God was going to use you, you... You're going to get lots of doors slammed and you you keep pursuing it. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. who the way that their story ends up being gritty is that they suck through. So like they have to kind of grit their teeth through mm-hmm. right. the... I, I got told no and no and no and no. And then, but I knew that's who I was supposed to be. And that's, I was going to do it but if I had to do it for free. So you could have done that. Mm-hmm. It's not that you couldn't have ever, I mean, you would have, yeah, you, you have lots of talent and there's a whole lot of people without a lot of talent that somehow have made it. So, I mean, you could have figured it out, but it, it, it that wasn't the story. And so I don't see that as failure, but maybe that's just maturity and I don't know, excuses as to why I'm not famous. I don't know. But, right. It was total just redirection yeah. on who, who are you, who was I supposed to be and who was God calling me to be, even if I didn't want to recognize it at times. And so looking back, absolutely thankful that none of that stuff in Los Angeles worked out. And that's not a commentary on people that want to do that. Sure. Or And, and so thankful for relationships that ended that then set up yeah. just beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. And even potentially the change that happened internally mm-hmm. for you to be prepared for those things, mm-hmm. for, for you to be better in, in the relationship later. But anyway, and I don't, I don't know any, I'm not saying you were bad in it before. It's just, I think that's part of growth and mm-hmm. how, how God changes and sometimes kind of chisels in in times that really feel really painful and crappy. He's chiseling on who he's wanting us to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So after college, I mean, what did that look like as far as how how you majored, what you thought you were going to do after college? I don't even know any of that. Yeah. So um, I majored in communication and was was then thinking about going into broadcasting because it was kind of still related to, to, you know, some of those things that I enjoyed and and then met Audrey, um, my wife, and she uh, finished up her master's at, at Truman State. And so I took a job at Truman State working with international students and recruiting international students traveling around the world, trying to get them to come to Truman State and stuff like that. And so then, you know, thought maybe maybe this is the thing it, that I should be doing is, is working with working with students, working with people who want to learn, that, that sort of thing. And then after that, I had a really good opportunity <laughs> to work for for one of my good friends in his company and decided to to take that opportunity to make a lot of money and had some goals for that in the future and it was going to be a good job so then i was selling i was a salesman and which you can do yeah which again easily do yeah it was it was going well it was it was had some really early success with that and and then again this this feeling of emptiness of like this this isn't the thing you're successful at it and it's going well but this isn't the thing. You are not fulfilled doing this. Your bank account might be fulfilled, but you are not fulfilled. And this, this can't, this can't be the thing, which was a scary realization a little bit. Sure. 
So at that time, though, you're married. Yes. And so you're having to kind of think through how to, are you making decisions about what you're going to do or if you're going to quit this job? I mean, with her, is she seeing the same emptiness? Does your faith play a different role at this point than it did in 2002? Or is it, are we still just like after the fact going, it's a good thing God protected me? Or is it forefront? Yeah, it, it's very much forefront at this point. Yeah, at this point. And, and we did kind of, or in the story kind of skipped over of like after after that breakup that I referenced then was a, a huge refocus of like God what 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 needs to change in me what do you want from me I'm tired of trying to pick and choose things that I think I'd be good at or that give me a little bit of fulfillment what should I be doing so that so that was very much more so in the forefront and yeah Audrey uh, she could see she's like this is this is not this is not it and she didn't care about she didn't care financially about anything or, or anything like that and she's pretty low low maintenance exactly and and in the in the best way of yeah. like yeah there's just she's just so supportive and so understanding of like hey we get we gotta find what God wants you to do and what God wants for our family not just what what looks like a success on paper or something like that yeah. Okay, so how do you do that in that stage? I mean, you're you're young, married, don't have kids yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people that are all. How do you how do you discern? How do you hear from the Lord? Like, how do you know when to quit a job and start something new, or or you get a new idea, or how like I'm like strategically, logistically, how do we do that? Yeah, for me, it was really starting to pay attention for, and and I wouldn't say for the first time in my life, but just this. Uh, more focus on paying attention to what's going on in, in, in life to be able to find those, okay, what am, what am I hearing from God? Because now I'm paying attention. Mm-hmm. And so, down and listening. Right. And, and taking into account, okay, you referenced this before, like what makes your heart beat fast and what are you getting fulfillment at where you are right now? Mm-hmm. You don't feel fulfilled totally, but where are the pockets where you are, yeah. are feeling fulfilled? And so I started realizing that as a salesman, I would... I would get more excited about teaching. We were selling chemicals to companies, teaching, teaching the employees how to use mm-hmm. these products than I would be about closing a sale sense. that yeah. just upped my paycheck by X amount. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then had a couple opportunities through business contacts that invited me to come and talk to their high school football team because they were a plant manager to plant and they knew that I played college football. Hey, would you come and talk to our high school football team? So sure. And then being in, in, in the weight room with the players and talking to them just about life or something like that, like those things, it was just like, oh, this is a different feeling. And it lasts a whole lot. It's the actual fulfillment. It lasts yeah. a whole lot longer than that was fun. Mm-hmm. What's next? And so kind of paying attention to those things and then talking to people that I trusted, people that I knew not only had me and Audrey's best interests at heart, but also had some, some spiritual guidance as well. Mm-hmm. One of them being your husband, Scott, who had a lot of conversations with him during those times. Yeah, so so not listening to the world, but listening to the people that you know understand. Well, and help you sort. You know, he was right. really good at listening, not necessarily with an agenda. No, um, and it's asking hard. questions. Having like, eight kids and him being gone <laughs> is really mm-hmm. interesting, you know, because it's like, well, dad would have said, no, he was a really good listener mm-hmm. that would help you kind of figure out where to set things and then go, okay, now what do I do with that? And 
what is God asking in that? And so, I mean, I've got kids now that are trying to get married or one who did or trying to decide, you know, job things, major job changes are these big decisions. And he would not have told them what to do. And I, I would mm-hmm. put money on that. He didn't tell you this right. is what you should do. You should quit and you should do this. And mm-hmm. because he, that's not what he was doing is pointing back to what's God asking, slowing down was really methodically like slow thinker. It was annoying, you know, like (laughs) spit it out, but that's because he was slow to listen and really contemplative about what, how do I teach people without teaching them, but I'm teaching people how to listen to what God says and how to measure that back up. I mean, I'm really in, yeah. And getting them to asking the questions that get them to under or realize the things they probably already know. Sure. And so yeah. then it was when when I was thinking about and paying attention to those things in life that were that were fulfilling that if it felt like these are the things I need to be going after. I feel like I, I knew those things and it took not being distracted by other things for me to just realize, oh, OK, yeah, I already knew this. I already knew yeah. this. And so then quitting the quitting the really good paying job with a really bright financial future to not have a job and move back to Blue Springs and try to become a teacher and a coach wasn't as scary as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds scary to other people when they're like, you you quit a job, you move back, you didn't have a job, you didn't know how you were going to make money. And you were going after being a teacher and a coach. And the first year you were a part-time teacher and a volunteer coach, like that's scary. And I'm like, no, it really wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, purpose, discernment, a lot of things kind of fall into that. So that those are things that, as a teacher, it would be interesting, I mean, this is just food for thought, but it would be interesting to think, could can we teach people to discern? You know, can we teach people how to find their purpose? Uh, that's a maybe a conversation for a different day, but. Right. I think, I think it's tough. I think you can get them, uh, you just try to get students, like for myself personally, you just try to get students to ask the right questions. Yeah. So that they can so that they can then figure it out. Or when they're in the midst of the hard things, then they're asking the right questions and reflecting in the right ways mm-hmm. to then move forward. Cause yeah, we can, I, you can try to teach yeah. people those things, but until they experience things yeah. and then, and then fail sometimes and then have to reevaluate. Like sometimes yeah. it's things in a tool belt too. I think I teaching in student ministry over the years or, you know, teaching young people or having a lot of young people in my house for a lot of years. You just, you're, you're teaching things that you're hoping they're storing away in, in a tool belt for when yep. they need that tool, you know? And I think that's my, my story of faith is uh, there were so many things that I knew that were true that I stood on, but until but there's still theories until the, yep, like, yep. Until death happens or you're walking through, mm-hmm. you know, really hard things then you're like, okay, well, it's a good thing that I not only know that where this tool is, but I know how to use it. I know what it's for. So. And now it's real. And now yeah. it's real. Now, now is it going to stand up? I mean, those are some of the questions you start asking is, mm-hmm. is what I believed going to stand up? Is it still true when I don't get what I want? Yep. I mean, holy moly, I asked that a lot during cancer mm-hmm. is I've said all these things about who I believed God to be. And is it still true if he doesn't do what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, he's not a genie. You know, you rub his belly and you get your three wishes. And so if he's not that, is is he still God and is he still good mm-hmm. when he writes the story differently than what I asked, what I, how I prayed, you know? Right. So, yeah, no, I think it's a lot of it's tool belt things that we teach kids and really it, not just young people. But so backing up to that, asking mm-hmm. good questions, you said that about teaching people to ask good questions. Do you think you learned that from someone or over time in your own experience? Because that's yeah. really good leadership. Right, right. And it's not very common. Yeah. So. It, and I think 
again, going back to Scott and, and Joey Butler and my dad, who's an incredible listener, who doesn't, doesn't have to say a lot to make an impact and can make impacts in very subtle ways, but is there to listen and then say, well, have you, have you thought about this? Not telling you what to do or, mm-hmm. or how to do it, but, well, think about this. And so, yeah, so I think, again, I've said some of the most influential men in my life are my dad, my grandpa, Joey Butler, and Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and a couple of those people are some of the most influential people in my life, too. And mm-hmm. I think a lot, I mean, like I said, when I was kind of daydreaming, like, again, your story is different than some of the other people I've talked to. So, like, what, what are we going to talk about? And I started daydreaming, like, again, we kind of were growing up parallel. Mm-hmm. We weren't, our, we had similar friends, but we were not. I was not involved in your life or, or you and mine. Mm-hmm. But parallel, like, we had this really crazy opportunity. I would say that... Joey used to ask, who are the top five most influential people in your faith? And I, you know, I, my grandmother was one of those people. And, mm-hmm. and Faith Farr is one of those people for me. And there's just these people that loved really extravagantly. or in, But Joey, I would say, is number one for me. Mm-hmm. Because I learned so much about leadership that lately I, there's been kind of a flood for me. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. But I have just been flooded with these really strange memories of ways that he led without saying what he was doing, ways that he made you feel like you were in charge of something that really he had done all the planning for. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I believed it was mine. Yeah. I showed up to our student ministry on Wednesdays and felt like I owned that place. Yeah. And yeah. there's 300 people in the room. Right. And a stranger walks in and I'm at the door introducing myself like it's my house. Yeah. <laughs> was cocky probably because I loved that place. That was my home more than, more than my own home. I felt most like myself there. And I mean, I can lately, I can visualize the meetings he had once a month where he would let us um, do, he'd have the board up where he knew what the topic was going to be for the month. And we just picked like, I don't know who was going to give a testimony and what games we were going to play. And he made me think I planned that whole month. The reality is he did, you know, he knew what he was going to say. And he just gave me insane opportunities to shine. He did not shut me down. And I think I probably caused him some grief because I was a mouthy chick, you know? And so I know some of the people in your class were showing up in his office going, she talks too much. She's given her testimony too much. And I never did. So you didn't complain about me. Thank you. I appreciate it. But he really championed me and so many other people. Well, there was so many of us that I really feel like I learned things about leadership outside of church, like just Mm -hmm. leadership in general, identity. I mean, I feel like me knowing that my identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. I mean, literally, it's some of my earliest thoughts after Scott died was that my identity was never his wife. The learning that foundation backing back, I'll backtrack. I don't want to make it sound like I loved being his wife. And it was, it made me better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had, I, I'm so fortunate to have had a marriage where I liked him and he liked me every day, like super fortunate, Yeah. but it wasn't who I am, it, who I am. Uh, so because I stood on something firmer than that, mm-hmm. when, when my life circumstance changed, it, I didn't fall because that's not what I was standing on. It was bonus. It was gravy that I didn't deserve, mm. but it wasn't who, it wasn't my identity. And I go back to learning that as a seventh grader, he was beginning to lay the groundwork that who our identity, he was using words like identity when we were young, yeah, before we really right. understood what it meant. Exactly. So, and then recently I started having like a flood of what flight training looked like. And, yeah. you know, flight training was this in-depth discipleship program we went through for a year. 
typically around your junior year, unless you were a latecomer. I think I had a senior in my group. But mm-hmm. anyway, and I the the way that he wrote that is super simple. I like I almost think going back to the way he did it first was was the best way because it was so simple. But it taught people how to get into scripture, how to mentor right. somebody. Yes. We've got so many adults that don't want to spend time with somebody else. Yeah. Because they don't think they have anything to give. And so anyway, all that to say, I think we were really, really fortunate. We were recipients of something really special. And I and I think you can see someone who is a good leader then the people they quote unquote lead then become leaders as well. Yep. And 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 he never tried to stifle growth so that he could maintain control or or, or stay things in, like that. Stay, or stay in, the in big seat. Charge. Yeah, exactly like that. Like and I think that is you know, talking about leadership, one of the marks of a good leader of like, no, I want you to grow beyond what you need from me and then you and then you go yeah. out on your own. Yeah. Well and that's really because he when he died there was a lot of talk of like, oh, our leader died. Oh, our shepherd died. And there was a part of me that was super disappointed in us because mm-hmm. he had taught us that he wasn't the the leader. He wasn't the shepherd. He was pointing us back to that shepherd. And so I, I'm like, I don't, I didn't feel lost without him. I felt super sad. Right. And man, the impact that he, that he could have, you know, in our minds and in, in my worldly view, same with Scott, same with losing these important people. You're mm-hmm. like, God, you could have really done these crazy things right. here on earth. Right. And, you know, in my writing of the story, this doesn't, it seems really kind of stupid, but it, it didn't shake who I know to follow. And, and they taught us how to go back to that. You, you go back to what you really stand on is, is Christ and what, what his word says. And so then when these people are human and they either let you down or they make mistakes or they screw up something or they, or they get sick and they, they die there. We're not supposed to be here forever. And the most impactful people in my life were people that pointed me to what I can stand on, mm-hmm. not to themselves. Yep. So it's radically changed, hopefully, the way that I lead and the way that I that I parent. So I would say, I mean, these people that you're talking about that were super important, you figured it out on your own. I mean, you were finagling through, who do I want to be? And, okay, L.A. is not it. But So then you figure out, you feel called to school and coaching, teaching. Mm-hmm. Do you now feel like, I mean, this is, you, you found the answer? Or is there still a part of your personality that's like, I'm always looking for... There's always an innovative or a still a thing that a restlessness maybe. No, I don't. I don't feel restless. I think in a in a more healthy way than than when I was younger. Of just like God, where do you want me, and and when do you want me mm-hmm. to to do this thing or be a part of this? And so, yes, I feel like over the last fourteen, fifteen years, being a teacher and a coach in various sports has been where I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to say that's where I'm going to stay or where our family's going to stay or anything like that uh, uh, because we try everyone or uh, you know every so often to be like God is this is this still the thing? Yeah. And it's kind of like living that. on the edge of your seat like like I'm here right now and yeah, you tell and me to get up, I'm, I'm ready to get up. Yes. Yeah. Not and if I don't cozy. and if I don't want to get up then I hope you make me get up. Yeah. Yeah, if you get a little too comfy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. How now what do you feel like is the most successful thing that you do? Where do you feel the most successful? I think before, again, going back to when I was younger and I think I thought of success in things that you can, tangible things you can point to as a football coach, you know, wins, wins. 
as a former football player, what are statistics? What can we point to? You know, those sorts of things at various points in my life. You know, like we said in LA, did, did I, did I get that role or did mm-hmm. I do that well? Or I'm a business person. Did I make the sale? Did I get this much money? You know, all those things. And so now I'm like that being older, it's like, that is so far from what success actually is. And so success to me now is, did I make an impact on the, on the people around me in the circle I was given on a, on a given day? Did I positively impact them? Did I point them to something that they didn't see in themselves? That's, that's a great thing. Did I, did I help them make a realization about how they can deal with a situation that's really difficult? Did I help them improve on something that they wanted to learn? And so I feel it, and maybe it, Sounds a little cliche of, did you make an impact? or did? But I honestly feel those things. And so when we lose a game, when we, when we don't have quote unquote success that the world sees, I care about it much less than I used to. Mm-hmm. Because it's, to me, it's about, did you make a positive impact in the people that were around you on that given day? Yeah. Those are immeasurable things. So right. for yeah. an achiever personality, did. it's yeah. really hard <laughs> to give yourself a grade card on those things and... With young people, it's funny because you plant a lot of seeds, you say a lot of words, and I would guess that in however many years now that you've been in education, you haven't seen the growth or the fruit of some of those things until much later. Right, exactly. People maybe come back around and tell you. Yeah, I've had players and students that have come back around, hey, that thing you said in, in, the, in that one day in class, yeah. and I'm like, I don't remember it. But they're like, yeah, it really helped me in this and this and that, and I'm like, that That's a goal. makes me want to cry. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that's just... That's that the aim success. now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. If when you're teaching your kids about success, about how to listen, what you want them to be, you know, I mean, all the, the famous questions of what what do you want to be when you grow up and what, what do you tell them? I mean, what would you like teach them? my own kids or kids in your, class? Your own kids. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Because you're a girl dad of really yeah. different girls. Yeah. Really all different. Very different. Yeah. Which is awesome. Sorry I didn't prep you on that one. That's a that's a good question. Ask it again one more time. <laughs> I said, <laughs> what did I say? What, with your own kids, yeah. in the, and you know the age-old question, but what do you want to be when you grow up, or what should I do, or, I mean, right now they're not, their big decisions are like, which sport are they going to play, or, you know, are they going to take an honors seventh grade class or not, you know, but as they're looking towards what they're going to do, or how to listen to even maybe it's how to listen to the Lord, but how what what are you telling them or how would you talk to them about their success and and how to how to know what to do with themselves, how to know what to do with their life? I think I think in those conversations it's it, it's been important for for me to talk about is what you're doing and is what you're being a part of is it fulfilling to you and Im- impactful to those around you, and if you feel both of those things are are happening then. Yeah, let's let's pursue that thing and let's and let's see what happens with it. And again, another cliche like it's okay to make mistakes, and we don't want our kids to make mistakes. And we and it it hurts sometimes when they do, but like letting them have those experiences, right? And and we have to fight against that. And like, okay, like you're pursuing this thing, and so you're gonna pursue it. I'm not gonna push you and push you to pursue it. I'm gonna try to support you, and sometimes that support might be challenging you sometimes that support might be okay you said you were going to do this thing and we got to follow through with it or or things like that but we've really tried hard with our kids to what what do they want to pursue is it positive to you is it positive to those around you and then you're going to have to be the one that drives that we are not going to hover over you and yeah 
you're going to do this thing and you're going to go to this training and you're going to go to this study group and you're going to go to the, and you're going to take this class. You're going to, mm-hmm. what is it that, what is it you, that you want to do to further positivity in yourself and those around you? Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, know. it does. Yeah. It's good. Well, and you have it maybe inadvertently, maybe out loud. I don't know how much you talk about your own story with them, but you're teaching them that by what you have, what you've done. And in some cases, what you could call mistakes. I don't know if you wasted money or, time in LA or whatever. I mean, however you want to look at that, but you, in some ways they can watch what you did and your choices to not pursue money, regardless of how content or not content you felt or, um, what you do even now with kids, they're watching you coach other people's kids and they're watching you even, even with their own team, you know, your seventh grader is watching you try to teach character traits and leadership traits to her friends, to her peers. And, so, I mean, they're watching what's important to you ooze out of you, whether you're saying it all the time or not. So, I mean, that's some of the best things. I, it, that's another cliche, you know, like living by example. And I, I live pretty out loud, too. I, my kids hear a lot of things, but I'm going to make a lot more impact by what I'm doing. And I'm hoping they're seeing that, I, that I'm not pursuing success. That I'm trying to ask God what he wants from me every day. Mm-hmm. I hope at some point that that's what they remember about me. And I think and I think one of the keys, too, is I want them to we want our kids not just to see us try to pursue positive things, but also reflect like yeah. on the positive or the negative. Like, yeah. and I think if we can, te- if we can teach our kids to be reflective of like, Oh yes, that was positive and that was good. And here's why, or, Oh no, that, that was negative. Like that was, that was not or good. And here's why self-awareness yeah. and reflection. Cause if you, if you can do those things, then you can navigate through a whole lot yeah. in life when you can do that. And, and I know we're kind of diving into parenting stuff now, but then also apologizing when you screw up Yeah. as a leader, but that's leadership. as a yeah. coach, as a, when they see us screw up as a coach, when they see us screw up as a parent, when they see us, you yeah. know, all those things and be like, you know what, this deserves an apology. Yeah. Yeah. I do that a lot. I mean, yeah, more and more you're like, this did not come with a playbook and I'm really sorry that I responded emotionally or just wrong. I mean, it's just wrong. Like. We're humans. And so. I think even as a leader, it's, I think that gets lost sometimes of like, I'm the coach of this basketball team or this football team or there's whatever. And they got to know that I'm always in charge and that, mm-hmm. I, that, it, that they can always look to me and all this sort of stuff. Well, part of that is then teaching them too that, yeah, you know what? Screwed up their team. Sorry mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm going to yeah. apologize to you. Yeah. That's how respect is earned. And those are things that, I mean, I, I remember, I remember watching leaders you know, make some mistakes or, or have to navigate things that they didn't, that they'd never navigated before. So, I mean, that's actually some of those people that I talked about in the top five. I mean, they were navigating really hard things that looked like failure that I watched as my Sunday school teacher went through that, or that Mm -hmm. that's actually how I was learning the most was when they Mm -hmm. were navigating hard things or things that they felt like were, were massive failure, watching them do that, or gosh, watching Joey lead while he died. You know, those are really powerful things. And Superhuman. That's not, that's not, um, I mean, you're, you're still a human. You're using your last minutes and you have a, what, which, what are you going to do with it? So mm-hmm. yeah, that'll fire you up as much as a really good football pep talk before right. the game, you know? Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Well, so my final question that got a little bit of prep on, but it, what, what would you, how would you define grit or, or, and, and do you see it? You see it in society? Do you see it in people? I think grit is, when you know there's a thing that you need to do and you will set aside your own comfort to go after doing that thing, what, what, whatever it might be. 
and not letting something that's uncomfortable stop you from doing something positive. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's just times where we let, and myself as well, I let my comfort dictate whether I'm going to do the positive thing that I know I should do. And when I when I have quote unquote grit is when I'm saying no okay personal comfort sorry you're taking a backseat now because here's the positive thing that I need to do and I'm gonna do it mm-hmm. whether I feel like it or not exactly yeah okay well hey thank you for giving up part of your day and hanging out with me thank you this is great conversation well thanks it's fun it's I appreciate fun. you. So- Thank you so much for listening. If you have or know someone with an inspiring story, you can apply to be a guest at OrdinaryGrit.com. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at OrdinaryGritPodcast to get to know me and my guests.